Hey, People Podcast listeners. This week's episode is with Lori Ruderman, and we talk about her new book, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Control of Your Career. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, People Podcast listeners. This week's episode is brought to you by Humanly. Humanly automates job candidate screening and scheduling for high-volume positions such as customer success, sales, operations, and entry-level roles, making hiring more efficient and more equitable. Humanly offers a solution that engages and screens job candidates that come to company job pages, saving hiring teams over 60 hours per open role on average and allowing them to jump in at the right time. Candidate experience and removing bias is another big part of their offering, and we've had some great initial success here in a landscape where 72% of candidates having negative experiences will share them online. For more information, go to humanly.io. Lori, thanks so much for joining me on the People Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. Likewise, pleasure is all mine. And just to dive into it to get started, can you give a brief intro to your background and kind of how you got to where you're at today? Sure. Thanks for asking. Well, hello, everyone. I am Lori Rudiman. And before I was a writer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur focused on the world of human resources, I was a pretty dumpy HR lady. I worked at some companies you know, like Pfizer and another company called Monsanto. And I worked at some smaller companies, insurance, consumer packaged goods. And I really found myself at an inflection point in the Great Recession. I was depressed. I was tired. I was anxious. And I thought there's got to be another way. And so I re-engineered my life and built a nice little boutique consultancy and a podcast and all the fun things that go along with that. So I'm really honored to be here today to talk about some of my favorite things like burnout and self-leadership and well-being. So Jesse, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Before we dive into like the main subject today, I was curious, like you said you basically reinvented yourself during like the financial crisis. What's changed since then? Like from working from a large employer to being self-employed, like how has that impacted you personally and professionally? Yeah, good question. I think everything about my life is different, and it's different for the better. You know, I worked at Pfizer. That was the last corporate job I had, just a small company, right? No, no brand there. <laughs> and I had a I had a good, cushy job. I was traveling all over the world and laying people off and really being the angel of death and earning a great salary for it. But I was tired and disengaged myself and really unhappy and not doing the work that I wanted to do, which is really about fixing work, fixing cultures, fixing individuals who are stuck and don't know how to get the most out of their careers. And instead, I would just walk into plants and facilities and offices and tell people that their time was done. And while I handed them really great severance checks, it didn't feel very good. And so I went on this journey to be my own boss and really do the work that I thought I was meant to do. And to be honest, there are ups, there are downs, but it feels really great to be my own boss, to have autonomy, to know that the feedback that really matters comes from my customers and that my reputation is everything. Like, I love that. I'm driven by it and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's great. It's always fun to talk to fellow entrepreneurs that have found, you know, meaning, meaning in the work and, and happiness overall in their careers. So that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, thank you. Let's talk a little about your book. You have a book coming out next Tuesday. I think when, once this podcast released, it might be a couple of days after your release. So the book is titled Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Control of Your Career. 
what inspired you to write the book to begin with? Like where, where did this like just come from? Yeah. So obviously it's a big undertaking. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in a career plateau myself just because we're entrepreneurs doesn't mean that we don't hit these moments where we're like, who am I and why am I here? And I was sharing this problem I was having with a friend of mine. And he said, oh my God, you've been writing and creating content since, you know, 2004 when I was working in corporate HR. He's like, you need to shut up and write the book you were meant to write. I thought, oh, who is this dude to talk to me like that? And then I thought, (laughs) oh my God, this dude is right. And so for me to write a book, I'm not just going to, you know, be lazy about it. I wanted to know how do best-selling authors do this? So I really went on a journey to figure out how to get an agent, how to publish with a mainstream top five publisher, and really just how to make this a huge inflection point in my career. And so I did just that. I got a book writing coach and he introduced me to a bunch of agents and I selected one. I wrote a proposal and the book went to auction and I was lucky enough to get a really good advance and I was on my way to writing a bestseller and then COVID hit and all of the stuff with the election. And so it's definitely been a journey, but I've learned about like the ecosystem of publishing, I have absolutely learned how to be a better marketer. I've learned how to ask for the sale. And I feel like this experience, while it may not end up the way I thought it would end up, it's definitely made me a better leader, a better entrepreneur. So I'm a better woman for it. But yeah, it's been definitely daunting. Yeah, what what an interesting time to be publishing a book. And so... How often did you guys push back your release date at all because of COVID or anything like that? Or we, we did. We did. It was supposed to come out in 2020. And then I thought, well, all right, maybe mid to late 2020. But of course, there was the election and my agent was like, absolutely not. And so we decided that the themes of the book around self-leadership and individual well-being and risk-taking and learning were really on par with this new year, new you vibe. And I wrote this book not because it's self-help, but because it's almost anti-self-help. You know, there are no books out there, especially for those who are in the trenches of work, that really offer them practical, straightforward advice. You know, when I was depressed and anxious at work, I would read these self-help books and they wanted to offer meditation and yoga and crystals and all the things. And those are really great things for some people, but for average, ordinary professional workers, That's not it. And so I wrote a book that I needed when I was in the trenches of human resources. That's great. Seems like it'd be a timeless book in regards to the topics and whatnot, right? It's not just going to be like this generation's workforce. It seems like it could be open to anyone in the future. Yeah, I certainly hope so. You know, the interesting thing about the times that we live in and the delay of my book meant that I got to go back and really update it for the era of COVID and the era of Black Lives Matter and all of the unrest that we faced in 2020. So I tried to write a book that was practical, really realistic, and very inclusive. And I think I did a good job of that in 2019 and 2020 when I was delivering the manuscript, but the delay gave me some time to really think and reflect on what's the message for today. You know, when so many systems fail us, what can we do to have careers where we can thrive? And the answer is to really double down on ourselves and run our lives like we're CEOs. And I think when we're in the people industry, the recruiting industry, the talent industry, we're often of service to our clients, to our businesses. And I really believe that 
we fix the system of work by fixing ourselves first. And so when we're operating as the individual bosses of our own lives, we're better for our clients. We're better for our customers. And that's a lesson that I've come to the hard way in my life. But if I don't put myself first, I'm of no use to my clients and my customers. So hopefully that message resonated before COVID, but it's definitely resonating with me now in the age of COVID. Definitely. Definitely agree there. So what insight can you give us into the book for those that obviously are interested in possibly buying it? What are the main topics that you cover? Sure. Well, when I wrote this book, the person I had in mind was really this younger version of myself. And that person suffered from extreme burnout. And so right there, I mean, this is the age of burnout that we're living in. And whether it's burnout or career dissatisfaction or just conflict at work, I think there are four areas that we can all focus on to improve our lives. And I'll start with the first one, which is self-leadership. You know, so often when we work in the people industry, we listen to individuals complain about work and we just, I don't know if you've had this experience, Jesse, but I look at these individuals, I'm like, oh my God, look in the mirror. (laughs) There are certain things that you could be focused on to fix work and that's by fixing yourself. And so I write quite extensively about this idea of self-leadership and individual accountability. And it was really influenced in my life by my mentor, Bob Sutton, who wrote The No Asshole Rule. He's a professor at Stanford, and he writes extensively about leadership and toxic work environments. And while there are things that companies can do and HR departments can do, the biggest thing you can do as a worker is have a sense of agency and get the heck out of there. Now, maybe not immediately. That's a privilege. But if you're in an environment that's toxic, look around because everybody else had that feeling and they made a choice to stay. And if you make a choice to stay, there is a very low likelihood that you're going to fix anything. The best thing you can do is protect yourself, protect your interests, protect your family, and get the heck out of there. So I'm going to stop right there, Jesse, because I'm sure you've had terrible toxic jobs. What did you do? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, uh, yeah, so I, I totally understand. I've, I've, ne- I've only been self-employed, so I, I've never really worked in a toxic work environment in that regard. I, I've gone in and worked and helped consult a lot of CEOs and young founders that have had, you know, rough times getting the culture right the first time. And I think a lot of that comes down, to, in my experience, to just communication and making sure mm-hmm. that you know, if we're putting in the effort in the work, that we're also like to your point, taking time to really take care of ourselves so that we can put our best foot forward and put in 100% effort for the long run as opposed to just burning out in 6 to 12 months and quitting or getting a new job, which is more more than available in tech at least. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's really well said and leads into the second point of the book, which is really all about individual, emotional, physical, financial well-being. I mean, you know this and I know this from working as entrepreneurs and especially in the tech space. I mean, burnout and a focus on well-being go hand in hand. And if you're not running your own life well, you're never going to be able to run a business well. And I just wish more and more people would realize that when they invest in the personal, they elevate the professional. So if you're not running your sleep schedule like a business and scheduling it, if you're not eating right, if you're not moving, there is no way you can show up for your colleagues, for your customers, for your vendors. It's just impossible. So once I kind of nailed well-being in my own life, Jesse, a lot of doors opened up for me. So I don't I don't know. Have you had that experience as well? Yeah, definitely. I'm 
really big into uh, making sure I get at least eight hours of sleep. And if I'm working out quite a bit, uh, to your point of exercise, if I'm really sore and whatnot, I need at least nine hours of sleep. So I have to factor all of that into my schedule and then I'm uh, really into health and wellness in general, eating well and whatnot. So and I, and I think for those that, that maybe aren't on the same like wavelength of working out every day or whatnot, it's the incremental gains, right? Like you don't have to start at working out six days a week. You just need to start compounding those events, right? Just work out even twice a week, go for a walk, just start doing the 1% increases on yeah. a weekly basis. And over the course of months and a year or years in this matter, you're going to see a huge increase in productivity for your overall well-being. That's so well said. It reminds me of, you know, the philosophy of James Clear and so many others who are like, just start. <laughs> you know, you're never going to do yourself any harm by starting, but you harm yourself by staying in the status quo where you feel like a victim. And I think one of the things that was really important to me was to understand that the way I treat my body also fuels my brain. And so if I'm not good to my body, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to be open to learning. If you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, what's the point of all of this? And I think there's so many unhappy people who are just kind of bored and stuck, stuck in their bodies, stuck in their brains. And the third, I think, real important theme of my book is that You've got to learn. And I don't just mean learn your job and be the best people person or, you know, VP of people or VP of talent or manager or supervisor. You've got to be the best human being. And some of the best human beings I know are just inherently curious. So we're in the golden age of learning. If you're not learning and growing, it's really on you. So I speak extensively about the importance of learning in this book and not in some esoteric way. I think all learning is worthwhile. So if you're curious about, I don't know, needlepoint or crafting or surfing or whatever it is you're interested in, just the act of learning about that is going to make you better at work. So learning is just a game changer for me. And I would imagine you feel the same way, Jesse. Yeah, definitely. Even though I dropped out of college myself, I'm always curious and learning different things. And it doesn't even have to be like formal education, right? To your point, it could just be reading somebody's Substack or going on YouTube and learning about finance or anything else that's maybe even outside your purview in your career, whatever your niche is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, I think a lot of people think it's risky, you know, or they don't have the time to learn. And we waste so much time during our days. So I'm a big believer, though, that if you're not taking risks, like learning something new, learning something fun, you're missing out on a huge chunk in life. And so throughout the book, I talk about how to take smart and calculated risks, and actually how to de-risk the choices you're making through an old stoic exercise called the pre-mortem. The pre-mortem is what has made it possible for me to learn how to be an author, for me to learn how to go into tech and start my own tech company that failed at one point in my career. And, you know, all of these things that I've done have been built on taking small risks and making sure that they don't blow up in my face and then building on it from there. So the fourth and I think the most important theme of the book is really how to take risks in your life. And Jesse, you are the poster guy for taking risks. So I think I'm in good company here. <laughs> I'm actually curious who created that philosophy or that in stoicism. So it is well-rooted in Stoicism, and do not ask me to be a Stoic philosopher but, or a historian, but it's been made popular through a very smart and savvy researcher and professor by the name of Dr. Gary Klein. And so Dr. Gary Klein took this old Stoic principle of doing the pre-mortem, which is really trying to figure out how you're going to fail, how you're going to die before it actually happens. 
and figuring out, okay, if this is the plan and I know I'm going to fail, how do we bake into our project plan avoidance techniques so that we can overcome these glitches? And so Dr. Gary Klein has worked with IBM, with Cisco, with NASA, with these really big companies. And he really inspired me to take this concept of a pre-mortem that's used in these huge enterprise organizations and apply it to the small things in our lives. So if we normally know we're going to bomb a job interview, let's set a timer for a minute and write down all the ways we know we will fail. Maybe we don't make great eye contact. Maybe we can't tell a story. Maybe we babble too much. Maybe our hands are sweaty. And if you write down all of those glitches, all of those things that can go wrong, and you actually create a plan before you embark on the project to disintermediate those things, you can improve your chance of success by over 30%. So this exercise has been used back in the day. It's been used by enterprise companies. And I teach it as part of my consulting practice to individuals who are about to undertake something huge. And it's really a smart way to give yourself a competitive advantage. But you know, Jesse, I also use it in my personal life. Like my husband and I were thinking about redoing our kitchen, like, you know, every yuppie couple out there right now, right? You know, it's COVID, we're home a lot. Should we redo our kitchen? And it turns out I can't stick to a budget. There's no way we can redo our kitchen. We're better off just moving. (laughs) And I think by having that exercise and talking about it and how we would fail, it was really helpful and it really circumvented a lot of drama in my life. So the pre-mortem is good enough for NASA. I think it's good enough for you. That's great. Yeah, I'm a big stoic philosopher like in terms of reading myself. So I, I've sure, actually, absolutely. Yeah, pretty interesting. Cool. What, what, what other takeaways from the book can you share with us? Well, I certainly want to come back to my core philosophy and let it just be out there for everybody. I will live and die by this, but I really believe that we fix work by fixing ourselves first. And so... If at any point there's anybody out there who's frustrated, they feel like a victim in their career, they feel as if they're burned out, I think it's time to really do a personal retreat and to understand exactly what's going on in your life and what's contributing to that factor. I think having worked in human resources for all these years, it's real easy to point the finger at cultures, at leaders, at CEOs. And you know what? They're all terrible at times, but sometimes the biggest perpetrator of the most terrible offenses in our lives are ourselves. And so I can't say this enough that we fix work by fixing ourselves first. And sometimes in that journey, we recognize that, you know what, these things that we prioritized at work or made important in our lives, they're not that big of a deal after all. So that's that's kind of what I want to leave people with. Yeah, that's great. And it's interesting because I deal with a lot of this on the, like, the recruiting and HR side, but also just being an angel investor myself, dealing with CEOs, right? Like CEOs go through burnout just as much as employees do, if not more, they just don't share it with anybody. And like my biggest advice for anybody dealing with burnout is don't quit, right? Maybe maybe it isn't your job, right? Take a month, take a month or two and just get away from work if you can afford it, right? And just relax and then reassess what's important to you during that time, as opposed to just giving up on whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah, really smart. You know, when I work with these individuals who are just completely burned out and can't see the forest for the trees, you're right. I tell them not to quit or let's follow that crazy impulse out. You know, like if you quit 
what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And what's the best thing that's going to happen? And also, if you stay, let's examine that as well. And let's really put it all out on the table, the rational, the irrational, the silly, the goofy, and the scary. And we can start to pick these things apart and really test them and do small experiments to see if our logic and our reason is sound or if we're just being irrational. So I'm with you. I think a lot of people are just completely, especially with COVID, right? They're just completely at their wits end. And it's tempting to say, you know what? Forget it. I'm leaving this all behind and I'm going to Aruba. But, you know, our problems tend to follow us to Aruba and we end up on this hedonistic treadmill from time to time where it's like, you know, we're, we're chasing the same dreams and we walk away from it, but we go back to it. And I think until you address some of the core issues in your life, you're going to have the same personal and career problems over and over again. So that's what I think. Oh, I totally agree. Hedonic adaptations. Yeah. Certainly right. true. So whatever your baseline is, you're going to resort back to it, whether you get a new car, a new house, and you move to a different city. It's all going to come back to uh, where you were as a baseline. That's right. That's why I didn't remodel my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Lori, it's been great having you on the podcast. What is the best way for people to reach out if they want to learn more about yourself, as well as where's the best way they can buy their book? I'll obviously put it in the show notes. Absolutely. I have a wonderful URL that defaults to all my good stuff in my ecosystem, and it's bettingonyoubook.com. So you can find me, my podcast, my book, and also just wise, free career resources to help you really build a life that matters and makes a difference. Awesome. Lori, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here today.